0: And fulfillment let 's get started with soul talk. Welcome back folks. welcome to another very special episode of the soul talk podcast. As you know, each week, I do my best to bring on uh, amazing human beings from around the world that uh, that just share their hearts authentically and are able to inspire you in some way shape or form to live more authentically live more fulfilled, live more connected to your souls so that you can manifest your truth in the world and uh today's no exception. I haven't had the chance to actually meet this person personally, but uh over the years I've been reading some of his works online, his blog and his writings so I'm very excited to introduce uh the author of Soul shaping a great book, ascending with both Feet on the Ground was the Wake in the Heart, and a book I'm actually just beginning to read, Grounded Spirituality, which I love the title because spirituality can often be so you know, transcendental, esoteric, woo-woo that when I heard grounded spirituality, I'm like, finally, someone wrote a book uh, that was about grounding spirituality in terms of uh, what it takes to live an authentic human experience. And so uh, I think you're going to be inspired, folks. Get ready. Welcome to Soul Talk,
1: Mr. Jeff Brown. Welcome. Thanks, Coot. It's a delight to be with you today.
0: Thanks for coming on, man. Again, I've really... uh, appreciated your your writings over the years even though you know we hadn't met personally and uh, always been inspired and I think so much of your writings had a had a such a heartful human you know depth to it even though it was definitely grounded in deep spirituality. So I'm really excited about this conversation and you know one thing I just want to do to set a context because I think uh maybe many of my folks may not know of your background. I'm always curious too in terms of people's origins and, you know, h- how does someone become a spiritual author, teacher, you know, inspiring people in some way? I'm curious about just your journey in terms of where, where did you start? How did it begin? What, what, what was your journey on, on the path? And how did you get from, you know, being born into this crazy human, amazing life to teaching and sharing and speaking and writing? Uh, tell us a bit about that journey then we'll dive into some more questions. Sure.
1: I grew up in Canada, Toronto. um, And I grew up in a tumultuous, economically challenged environment um, where most of the time my energy was sort of focused on just staying, uh, staying alive, um, kind of survivalism. But somewhere in the heart of that at times, there would be this other path or voice that was emerging within me. Um, I eventually named this voice uh, Little Missy. Um, It was this voice that seemed to have some encoded idea of the direction that I was here to walk. And it wasn't simply a survivalist construct. Um, And then, you know, so, for example, in my teenage years, I would see a very famous Canadian criminal lawyer named Eddie Greenspan on television. And I feel like, oh, I know that man. I'm going to work with that man one day. Criminal law is part of my path or I would sit down and start making notes and writing something that was coming through me and I would identify that there was a writer living inside of me. That there was this sacred purpose. And I didn't have these words for it at the time because I was a pretty pragmatic guy and wasn't thinking in these more esoteric or subtle terms. But it was clear that there was something else living in me. Um, and, you know, where it came from and how it got there and all the rest of it is making sense of that as a lifetime's journey. But But it would call me back in some other direction other than the one that I was in, you know, so um, eventually I went to law school in a university of Toronto um, and I was a window guy, had a window company. So I would go, you know, for example, I would go into the Johnny on the job in the mornings before door knocking and selling product. And I would to take a leak and I would have this conversation with these various parts of myself. My pragmatic self would say I've got to go do some sales and this other voice would say, well, you know, I want you to stay in your authenticity. And my pragmatic voice would say, I'm not worried about my authenticity. I've got to stay alive. I've got to put on my sales mm. mask. So, this kind of negotiation began that's been with me throughout the years. That, you know, so the deal would be that I was allowed to put on my sales mask so long as I came back into my authenticity at the end of the sales weekend. So, it's just mm. sort of a metaphor for the whole process. Because at that time, I didn't see how these parts could assemble together as one unified field. I was either a survivalist pragmatist or I was living in this surrendered, softer, more authentic place, you know? Um, And so then I ended up actually articling in Canada, you apprentice for a year. I articled with Eddie. We did a very high profile murder trial. I wrote all the cross exams and jury address, won all kinds of awards. It was really a radical experience. Um, And at the end of it, I had to decide whether I was going to go and become a prominent trial lawyer. And uh, at the end of the bar admission course, and, and this voice inside of me grew stronger and said, you're not going to walk in that direction this lifetime. You're done with that path. You know, that one year was enough. And, and so I, for whatever reason, through this, what you might call a spiritual emergency, engaged in this very radical internal process, very uncomfortable process, of trying to make sense of who I was going to be in this lifetime. Um, between these pathways of possibility, the lawyer self, which was really deep in me, and was going to meet all my economic Mm -hmm. and many of my egoic needs. And then this other part that seemed to be calling me somewhere, not entirely clear. Um, Mm. And so for whatever reason, I stepped back from law and I surrendered to that and did a lot of therapeutic work and tried to clear the emotional debris that was blocking my clarity and befriended my confusion, explored bioenergetics, did an MA in psych at Saybrook in San Francisco, Mm. you know, had all kinds of amazing relational experiences that informed who I was and and told me who i wasn't and and then after many stages a a, a long two-week period in particular at harvard hot springs in california where i was clearing the debris from a love experience that i wrote about in an uncommon bond um i was just cleared out enough and and just mature enough and just ready enough to start writing so i began to write soul shaping Mm and you know i think for the last 18 years i haven't stopped writing
0: Jeff, how did you find the courage to to like I think a lot of people maybe sometimes feel stuck in survival, and you know what they think yeah. they should be doing, or maybe they're working a job that it pays the bills, or it's on it's, it's on track for you know sort of material success by society standards, yeah. and uh, yet there's a deeper pull, you know, the pull of the soul, a more authentic life, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess how did you find the courage to? believe what you felt wasn't true, number one, and uh, I, I guess the second qu- part of the question is, do the two have to be mutually exclusive? I mean, can they go together? Yeah. Can they not go together? How, how, how does someone, because I think a lot of people feel like, whoa, if I follow my 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 soul, I follow my heart, I follow my path, how will I survive? How will I make it in this world that doesn't seem to uh, acknowledge that? dimension of myself, you know, and, and, and doesn't seem to yeah. be set up to, to, to function. And so kind of guide yeah. us there. How, how did you find it and,
1: and how can people,
0: you know, find that? Well, I mean,
1: I think that, you know, I, I mean, it, it is a courageous and brave path. I mean, we're living in a survivalist construct. That's how our economic systems are organized. Yes. Basically by what puts food on the table and that's how our identities mm-hmm. are organized. And, so, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, you and me and many of us are pioneers now. We're crossing this, we're at the beginnings of a bridge crossing from survivalism as a way of being to authenticity as a way of being. It's a whole different world that we're beginning to inhabit. And, mm-hmm. and it requires uh, tenacity and determination and persistence. And so the way that I handled it was because I have a very neurotic need around economic life because of how I grew up. I couldn't just mm-hmm. sort of float away from the pragmatic world I had to hold both realities together, which means I had to work double time and I've worked double time forever. Right. So I had a window a window business. So I owned this door knocking huh. window business for all those years. So I would just meet my economic needs. And then once the writing began, go home and write till two or three in the morning and get up in the morning and see clients. And write. I've knocked on more doors in North America than any mm-hmm. human being in the last 35 years. Um, Ooh. I mean, I'm wow. I can't certain, but I think it's true. And so wow. I held my pragmatic world together because what I found Kud, is that if I was worried about money I couldn't create anything um, mm. so I had to live in both those places and it was very hard because at that time I was bifurcating my consciousness and not seeing all of these parts as woven into a whole um, I really did see it. for me it was never the twain shall meet it was like you were either that guy or you were that guy and now I understand I'm both those guys and it's all the same guy mm. so here's an example in two thousand eighteen, mm. uh Sophie Trudeau, who's Canada's leading lady, invited me to Ottawa to film a video with her at the house, at Justin's house, mm. and Sophie's house. So I went, I left the day before to drive there. And I'm in mean, all the feelings <clears> about this. And I grew up impoverished and I felt like a fraud and I thought, Oh my god, am I making this up? Am I delusional? All that stuff because of where I come from. But before I got on the mm. highway I had to go to the small claims court in Brampton to remove a lien on a house that I put there for someone who hadn't paid me in the window business. So all of these things Mm. live together at the same time because to cross the bridge, unless you come from a lot of money or you really can live without money, which is not very realistic in this world, you need to Mm. handle the pragmatic field, honor the pragmatic field, take care of business, and then at the same time find a way to explore these more subtle and authentic paths. And if you're lucky, at some Mm. point, and after a whole lot of hard work, the authentic path begins to generate enough money that you can finally let go of that other super pragmatic path.
2: Mm. But
1: we're talking about a 20-year-long journey in my case, right?
2: Right, right,
0: right. Well, what I like that you're saying is it it doesn't happen overnight because I think a lot of people – they kind of get this spiritual itch and they feel this, you know, impulse and they want it to happen overnight. And what I'm hearing you say is it was not an overnight process. No,
1: no. How did you find the patience? How did you find the patience, Jeff? Well, you know, it's like, you know, you know, no, they never met my mother. So, you know, I mean, growing up with my mm-hmm. mother, I had to cultivate the art of patience and, Uh, For whatever reason, because I really was a pretty fast-moving guy that liked to make things happen quickly on an entrepreneurial level, I developed somehow or cultivated this capacity to sit in the fires of self-creation for years and years and years and to be satisfied with very subtle incremental steps. I tried it the other way. I huh. tried the law of attraction way. I tried all that nonsense, and mm. it didn't get mm. me. It didn't get me anywhere. If I had to find a way to unite, say like positivity practices with hard, yes. hard. The only thing that ever changed anything in my life was hard work. I learned that at an early age. That's <laughs> the so. Mm. I don't understand. I mean, if you want a very superficial version of an authentic path, you can do it quickly. But if you want one that's mm. bone deep, baby, you've got to integrate all mm. aspects of reality or you're not going to get anywhere at all. Mm. Mm. It's got to be bone I deep. Love that. It's got to be bone yeah, deep. And my that. calling was bone I deep. That. I mean, the things I write about had mm. to be bone deep. Otherwise, they weren't going to really land in anybody, including me. Yes,
0: yes. You said something earlier about being young and having this 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 voice inside of you. And... Uh, I'm curious, how does one know if, let's say, they're feeling a voice, we'll call it a voice, or uh, yeah, an a, a deep impulse, intuition. How does someone know no, a
1: knowing, like a knowing. that it's authentic?
0: Yeah, how do they know it's like real versus just bullshit they're making it up in their mind, or it's it's their ego? Or, you know, how do you know that that is is something that is real that they should follow?
1: Right, so. In soul shaping, I talk about what I call depth charges and authentication. So let's say you have Mm -hmm. something inside of you that says, hey, you know, I have a feeling that I'm supposed to be a spiritual author. So you don't know for sure, because you have to try it on for size, like anything, you have to authenticate it. So You create space in your life to lean in that direction, to try to sit down with pen and paper or with a computer, and you work at it for a while, and you find out from your lived experience, not from a guru and not from a construct or a concept, whether or not it lights you up from the inside or whether or not it's not exactly the right thing. You've got to try it. You've got Mm. to try all kinds Mm. of things. And if you don't have something calling you yet that you want to authenticate, then you do what I call the death charge. You go explore all kinds of things, things often even that feel not quite right for you. You date people you Mm. would never normally date. You go to foreign landscapes where you don't know the language, so you feel a little uncomfortable and have to access other parts of yourself. I've done that. And, you know, you have Mm. all kinds of very broad range of very strange feeling experiences in an effort to depth charge or excavate indicators of past from deep inside of your lived experience. That's the way you do it. Mm. And you do work to clear the emotional debris. I mean, so many people have no clue why they're here because they've been conditioned in a survivalist construct, which means they define who they are by what mm. puts food on the table. Number one. And number two, because they're so bunked up with repressed emotional material that hasn't moved through them yet that they can't even access uh. a verified indicator of path. So when I would do really deep holotropic breath works or deep emotional release phases, often at the end of it, I would have more clarity as to why I was here than I had at the beginning of that.
0: Mm.
1: You got, so, got to get in your ball. You got to get
0: in your yeah. You got to get, get deep. You got to get deep. I love what you're saying because I think a lot of times we're just looking for the, you know, especially now. The quick fix, the quick hack the the the, the simple you know seventeen step te- technique, and then I'm enlightened, yeah. you know but so yeah. I, I really good like luck. that 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 you're that you're good luck yeah i like I like that what you're talking about, like getting in your bones, doing the work, there is no quick fix to authenticity no. in the part and, and and so what is the first place, let's say, okay, someone's listening to this conversation, like okay, all right jeff i'm I'm with you, and yes, maybe there is you know, a ton of repressed stuff inside of me. It seems a little daunting to deal with it because my whole life I have been running away from it, yeah. numbing it, avoiding yeah. it. And now, okay, I'm, I'm acknowledging there's some stuff in me. How do, I even, how do I even begin to deal with my pain or my hurt or my trauma or my set? Where do I even start? It seems overwhelming.
1: You, you start with the most profound spiritual practice of all, psychotherapy. That's where you start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Mm -hmm. you can find your way to a body centered or somatic psychotherapist at some point along the way, so that you're not just talking about your issues, but you're actually feeling into and moving your material, that is incredibly helpful. For me, emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are synonymous. The reason I write against the ungrounded and patriarchal and new cage spiritualities is because they're conveniently bifurcating spirituality from our lived experience, from our story, from our feelings, from our body, from our egos, all of it is split mm. off. And, you know, men mm. love that because they don't want to deal with it their shadows. So this is the way they can claim to be masters without having to actually do any real work. Um, so for me, you have to do the work in the emotional body. That is intrinsic to sacredness. It's not just to find your great calling to be Oprah Winfrey. It's also to do the work within your emotional material because that's how the individual and the collective transform in the direction of a more healthy, purposeful existence. And so you get into Mm. therapy, and, and you do something that's very hard right now, Coot. You create space in your world, what I call solitude and soul shaping, so you can actually begin to spend time getting to know who is living inside of you and who lives below all your adaptations and disguises. A lot of people have no clue who lives below their adaptations and disguises. So that how can they find their soul's journey if, if they're living always in their defenses and their masks? They can't. You've got to peel away the layers. Otherwise you'll never get to the heart of the matter. I love it. I love it. Yeah,
0: I'm a believer we, we have to be willing to do the real emotional work, which, you know, I think is sometimes scary for us, but I I really believe there's there's no there's no way to spiritually bypass it. And I see so no. many people wanting the, the the quick sort of, you know, energetic meditation technique to get high and open yeah, up the yeah. new yeah. gland, but not, not deal with the <laughs> the stuff, you know. And and, and what I yeah, see, Jeff, maybe you've seen this is pe- people get high for a moment, they feel energy moving, and then they yeah, come back yeah. to reality and life and relationship and then they just lose it. You know, they can't embody the sort of opening that happens,
1: and so uh, uh, oh, yeah, create I mean, space. I mean, right, right, absolutely. I mean, quick, you know, quick fix, long suffering. Right. It's like, listen, yeah. I would love to bypass. I'd love to be a bypasser, man. I was just like, love it, you know. Mm. It just doesn't work for me, you know. It's and I don't really yeah. believe. I mean, sometimes we, you know, detachment is a tool that's not a life. So sometimes we have to pull up and out in order to stay alive, in order to get perspective. There is wisdom in that but it's a first stage of awakening. The next stage, the real alchemy, is taking the wisdom that you find when you float up and away from this experience to some so-called transcendent field, and then bring it back down into your lived story, your lived experience, your emotional mm. body, and find a way to weave all of that into an inclusive consciousness. To me, what I call it, real yeah. this is the only direction we can go. Otherwise, mm. all you're doing is selling products. And it's fine. You want to sell product. You know, it's easy to sell bullshit non-duality. It's easy to sell yes. patriarchy. It's, it's, it's because people want a quick fix. And now in Trump time, mm-hmm. it's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. to be here in the ethos. They're even more drawn to quick fix uh, delusions. But ultimately, mm-hmm. it's not going to serve us. Because if we're going to fix this thing, if we're going to heal this species, or you're going to honor this planet before it's too late. Um, We need to be here for all of it. Sacred activism, our real purpose comes from our real presence. So if we're not having presence as a whole being experience, if we're fractured and fragmented, parts of us are here, parts of us are floating away, we're not going to notice the work that needs to be done within us, and we're not going to notice the impact we have on the world around us. The only way we're going to fix this Mm. is if we show up for all of it, and the only way to do that is to come back down into your body.
0: Mm, I love that. I love, to,
1: I love the term you
0: just said, enrealment. I've never heard it said that way before, but enrealment—not not just enlightenment, enrealment.
1: And so, no, what no. is
0: the 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 difference? Okay, clarify for us. Okay, we we're dealing with the emotion, the shadow, the the the, the, the deep stuff. Absolutely. Is there a danger that someone could go down that path, Jeff, and maybe get so bogged down in yep. the shit, the stuff, the ego. Because the, sometimes it, it might seem like the shit never ends. There's always something to work on and there's always another thing yep. and there's always another shit. Yep. There's no perfection at the level of personality. So where is that line between you know, getting so bogged down in the illusion or the, the stuff and... Uh, getting so sucked in that that it just yeah that can
1: become a, a trap too. talk talk to me about that Ab- absolutely well first of all i just want to clarify i believe there is something called perfection at the level of personality so that's i just want to ah, just differentiate okay. myself from what you said and i i believe it is possible to get aligned with sacred purpose and to be integrated and here for all of this and all of the ways we're talking about and that that is a form mm-hmm. of perfection so I I really believe mm, mm-hmm. that's okay, a human story, you know, and uh, I don't believe it's inherently imperfect. Depending on, of course, on how we define that, but but I think that yes. you know, one of the problems that's happening culturally, and this has happened in various language forms for centuries, is that people get inside of their stuff and they don't know how to get out. Um, and so people call yes. that victimhood, and and of course the reality is we have <clears> all been victimized. We're all trauma survivors to varying degrees on this planet. And, and so I think the problem is not that people are so attached to their stuff and that that becomes their hiding place. I think it's that we have not yet developed the kind of subtle and sensitive and um, technique-based models that actually know how to move people through that material to some kind of resolution and transformation. So for me, I don't see it as somebody who's just hiding in that stuckness I feel like it's a cultural problem. Mm. You know, we don't know how to listen to people. We don't know how to hold the space for trauma survivors because we're running from our own unresolved trauma. And I think that if we can mm. continue to develop somatic techniques that allow people to move through the material to something resolutional, we'll find that there are fewer people that mm. get stuck there and more people that come into integration. But but I know what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's yes. Just like the, the ones that float away and the ones, you know, I used to say that, you know, if, if I went up and out too far, it was like, I, you know, I was clearly no longer within my body. I was floating up and away from the human experience. And if I went down too far, mm-hmm. you know, getting so pragmatic and grounded and enlarged in the material that I was so grounded as to be buried, essentially. So for me, the work is to find that that point of balance or sacred balance between the two where where the individual droplet of meaning meets the oceans of essence, where all oneness meets a really clear Defined and solid individual path, and you have to go into the mm-hmm. shadow. The culture is now embracing the notion of trauma as a reality on so many levels. I think it's a good thing, mm-hmm. so long as we develop depthful techniques that allow for them to move through that that canal to a place where they feel healed, relatively healed, resolved, lessons learned, and able to now meet meet their human experience with fullness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got but it, sure, got it. it's it's easy to get yeah. back. It, it, I mean, especially, yeah. you know, one of the biggest problems is the people that need the most help are often the people who can't make money because they can't function in the world. And so and then they they get labeled, you know, they get labeled, you know, victims. They get labeled all these terrible things that add insult to injury rather than us meeting them and meeting ourselves with compassion. I mean, it's the only way to yeah. do any of this and get us anywhere is to meet ourselves and meet others with compassion. And to understand that Mm -hmm. we really don't know, even though we think we know, Mm -hmm. we really don't know the nature of their true lived experience. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So,
0: psychotherapy, dealing with the emotional aspects, dimension, creating the space. Are there any other? Are, yep. there, are there any other steps people can take? Like, would there be anything? Like, what, um, what's what's next
1: in, in, on the path? Yeah, I mean, I think there's. You can explore what are traditionally called spiritual practices. Um, you know, I did holotropic mm-hmm. breathwork. It changed my life. You know. Um but explore them, you know, what I tried to do in Grounded Spirituality was critically review teachings. I review Tole's work, I review other people's work because I think we want to start, you know, somehow spirituality's been protected from critical review. Every other part of society are ah. opinion, but the spirituality, the patriarchy has kept us. It's it's judgmental, it's angry, it's which is preposterous. We want people to go in with various ways of yes. understanding the things they're exploring so they don't get lodged in the wrong dissociative construct right you know it's it's just Mm. as easy to get stuck inside of the horrors of your story as it is to get stuck in the bypassing of your story it's very easy in Mm. both directions so one of the things that's helped me is developing this thing called boundaries (laughs) what a concept you know Mm. i didn't grow up with any i remember when my first therapist used the word boundaries i had to lie down for two days to assimilate it It was like what is a boundary for god's sake So developing healthy boundaries with respect to you and the world and you and other practicing what I call the art of selective attachment is really helpful so that you work towards bringing in people that support your evolution rather than people that undermine your evolution. That's an important thing to develop and then going out into the world. And as I said, it's depth charging or authenticating anything that calls you, you know, we, we want people to try ways of being on for size rather than getting lodged in one way of being early and never leaving it, straying from it. We want to encourage yes. that kind of self-exploration because how are you going to get information about your path if you don't do it by through your lived experience? You can't, you know? Yes.
0: I've heard, Jeff, I heard you say grounded, grounded spirituality a few times, and just for those listening in, I know that's, that's your new book, Grounded Spirituality. I'm just starting to read it. What, what do you mean by the term grounded spirituality? I mean, I think you're alluding to it already, but if you could just define that for us, because often we, we just talk about, well, spirituality and the spiritual path. So what is grounded spirituality?
1: So I would say a grounded spirituality is a spirituality that courses through every aspect of the human experience. You're in your body. Mm-hmm. You feel your feet making contact with the earth. You know, um, you're allowing every part and aspect of yourself to have a seat at the table. You have a willingness to explore all kinds of dimensions and ways of being within yourself. You're here for all of this. You're not defining. So spirituality has often been defined as something that is a very particular state of being that we're striving towards. My experience mm-hmm. of spirituality, I define spirituality as reality. So the, the most spiritual person, if we could quantify it, is the one who's here for the greatest number of threads of reality, the holy weave, the great tapestry. So you are mm-hmm. aware of the unified field. You're aware of this thing we could call the bigger picture, but you're also deeply connected to your practical responsibilities. You feel your body. Uh-huh. Your feet are firmly on the earth. Your heart is open you are relational and understanding the value of relationship as a portal to divinity. You know, you're not just Mm -hmm. lone wolf meditation warrior in the cave thinking you're the true spiritual one and that the women in the Mm -hmm. village taking care of the children and getting the milk are not spiritual You come to understand they are the latter are actually the more spiritual ones because they're holding the greatest number of threads of reality. So, for me, I would be exposed to like Mm. so called high end spiritual teachers claiming to be enlightened, and they seem to have mastered, like men like to, one thread of reality, one thread of consciousness. Yes, they were master master Mm. meditators or master, but they were completely messed up and underdeveloped in every other part of their lives. To me, Mm. that is not a spiritual Mm. person. Because that's the person who's not in all aspects of reality. The guy at the donut shop mm-hmm. is probably a more spiritual person because he's probably more <laughs> than the threads of reality at one time. So mm-hmm. to me, that's grounded spirituality. It means being earthbound, in your body, connected to all of it, the localized, the universal, what I call Western consciousness, the wisdom of the East you know, the quest for unity consciousness, the wisdom of the West, the quest for psychological health and emotional work through and well-being. All of that is happening at one time. To me, that's grounded spirituality. Mm, beautiful. You said
0: we stand. It's, it's, not,
1: it's not comfortable, but it is beautiful. It, it, it's
0: not comfortable, yeah, but it, it's definitely, it, it encompasses the whole uh, for sure. I love yeah, that. Right. I love that. Wait right. Second. right. Um, got it. Beautiful. On your path, Jeff, as uh, as you you've been on your path uh, quite a few decades now, were there any? Um, I want to know if there was like any dark moments for you, or moments where you felt either like you you were just you were just so tired with this human experience, or you you just felt like giving yeah. up in a moment. Uh, uh, the human experience. Um. I mean, yes, let's get real with being in real, but. Was there a moment where you felt this human experience was just, you know, I'm just, this yeah. is too heavy, this is too much, this is, I just want to give up. And if so, how did you deal with that? How how did you get through? How did you come through that dark night, that dark moment?
2: What
1: was what the date that Trump was elect- what, what was the date that Trump was elected
0: to power? <laughs> I'm,
2: not, I'm not sure the exact date, but
1: I hear you. <laughs> I, I know all about that. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, early life you know, in this very volatile home with a very, very difficult mother. Um, I had many moments when it didn't make sense to me. You know, what what on earth could this life experience be about? Now, b- luckily, I had beautiful grandparents that were always the light of my life. Um, and that made a huge difference. But, you know, as I moved out into the world in my 20s, trying to get through university education, coming from nothing and nowhere, and without any real stable foundation other than my grandparents, Uh, There were many times when I went and plummeted into all kinds of dark phases. Um, I wouldn't say actively suicidal phases, but times when I wondered whether or not it made any sense to be here. Um, And I think what got me through it, apart from the light of my life, which was the grandparents and then a very good friend in my twenties and uh, late twenties and early thirties that just held the space and grounded my journey in civilized ways and beautiful women that I knew who, gave me reason to believe that there was something to strive for. I think that I, this Mm. knowing that there was something else inside of me, those early glimpses could of you know, a pathway of possibility, whether it was to become a lawyer or to become a writer that I knew on some level that there was something else waiting for me if I was willing to do the work to arrive there. And I think that that energized me, you know, Um, I just Mm. came in with a lot of energy. I mean, I fought back against my my mother forever as a child and and my brothers really weren't able to as much, so I had something in me on an energetic mm. level that wasn't normal um that allowed me to catapult myself beyond those dark phases but but I'm a deeply feeling person, so those dark phases were mm. absolutely real, you know, and um
2: mm.
1: yeah, I don't think there's any one simple answer I mean I think you have to find it in yourself, you win we also have yeah. to find that can support you and find healers. You know, finding quality grounded healers is an incredibly important part of this journey. And it can very quickly mm-hmm. remind you that you're not alone with these feelings that you're having that seem so completely specific to you. And the online world's helpful now if you handle it in the right way because people are starting to self reveal mm-hmm. through this medium and they never did self reveal in the old days. And it helps to know that mm-hmm. nothing you feel is completely unique to you, even though it feels so deeply unique to you. You know, it's um. Yeah, is there any way, Jeff, that you have
0: you could guide people in terms of when uh, challenging a challenging emotion arises, or a dark emotion or negative emotion arises that's uncomfortable? You know, what we tend to do is suppress, or eat, have sex, shopping, social media, just avoid it, disassociate, try and bypass it. So, is there anything you can say about when that emotion arises that? we we do need to somehow feel or have a relationship with how we can guide people in terms of how they can maybe deal with those emotions that are not so pleasant as they arise so that we can feel them, uh, in a healthy, authentic
1: way. Got it. Um, so I think there are a few steps. I mean, one is certainly creating space for it if you can in your life, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. spending a weekend with your, with your process. Um, that's one of the things that's important to do. If you're not in a therapeutic relationship or if you can't afford a therapeutic relationship, then you can go online and look into things like somatic experiencing or get Alexander Lowen's bioenergetics books. Uh, he has a bioenergetic exercise manual and there were various techniques for discharging emotion, moving the feelings, mm. opening the body. Mm. And moving the feelings. Now, if you're a serious trauma survivor, you really want to do that in a therapeutic setting. But if you're not, yeah. If it's not dangerous for you, then you need to move those feelings out of you. And, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I used to just watch certain films or listen to certain songs on repeat that brought tears to the surface for me. You know, I would watch uh, mm-hmm. serendipity over and over again when I needed to discharge emotion and I would just cry. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, what whatever it is, whatever comfort food you need, whatever, you know, space you need to create, don't judge it. Just, grant yourself permission to have that experience because the discharging of the holdings is the thing that saves you, and it's the thing that creates space inside for your path to reveal itself. If you're all bunked up with stuff, Mm -hmm. you can't glimpse your path because there's no room in there, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's important to create a life that really prioritizes emotional release for your emotional physical health, for collective health, all of those things, and that goes online and you know holotropic breath work, if you can go to a holotropic breath work session, do it. Um Stan Groff's work is brilliant. There's many people doing this work worldwide. And you get an opportunity in a safely held container to discharge your stuff. And the yeah, discharge can yes. what gives you a whole new view. So meditation can mm-hmm. be helpful, but it can also be dangerous. You know, meditation can be meditation. Yeah. So you have to be very clear mm-hmm that the intention of it is to identify and excavate the emotional material rather than to perpetually bypass it. Um, mm. Because in that mm. those cases, it's a dangerous path. And going into mm. the body and finding ways to open the cavern and the container and the holdings and learning how to move them will save you. So I would look into Alexander mm. Lowen's bioenergetics work because I think that model is just the release. Mm.
0: Mm. You know, I I did have another question for you. But before we go there, I just I can't resist. You know, you mentioned Trump. Okay. And uh, (laughs) I think not to make it a political conversation, but I am curious. uh, I think there's a lot lot of people that are, you know, fair to say challenged with what's happening right now and challenged with Donald Trump as president. I mean, it's fair to say people are upset, pissed off, what have you, having all sorts of reactions. A lot of my folks who was friends with spiritual are just flipping out. I mean, you know, that everyone is having their, their, their moment and and their reaction and their response. So I'm just curious from your perspective yeah. what the hell's happening, man? You know, what I'll give it to you I'll give it to you, going, good, dude I What's got going
1: it. on I got in it. these times? I man? got it, baby. What can people it. do? Okay. okay. So what I think is going on, I I'll give you I'll contextualize it in my view. Is yeah. that we're so this gap years ago survivalist constructs and liberal constructs were more similar. So in Canada, Mm. Pierre Elliott Trudeau, our former prime minister, Justin's dad, and Joe Clark would meet every morning and try to work out deals, the conservatives and the liberals. Now, Mm. liberalism has moved so far in another direction towards true, deeper liberalism, inclusivity of consciousness, gender equality, and conservatism Mm. has dug in its heels because really it's kind of a finished construct in many ways it doesn't serve humanity mm. going forward so now you have a regressive conservatism um and you have this super progressive liberalism the gap is so wide because these are two entirely different ways of being this is these are like two species mm. that can basically not talk to each other um and as a mm. result the trumpians of the world these old wealthy white guys um they're not like old style conservatives. They're like the way I see them is they're like a T. T. Rexes that know that there is the it's the end for them. The species is almost finished, and they're going to like mm. eat the world the last time, you know, um, because <laughs> they know on some level they're they're fading out, and that the young inclusive consciousness people are rising, and this is an unstoppable movement towards inclusivity. And so what you're seeing is the ugliest, gnarliest. Acting out unconscionable version of conservatism, which is not even conservatism. It's a desperation consciousness. And it is incredibly Mm. uncomfortable for any trauma survivor because they're all traumatizers. You know, they're T Rexes.
2: Right.
1: They couldn't care less about the planet. They couldn't care less. You know, this is, there was a healthy, conscionable capitalism and there's this unhealthy narcissistic patriarchal capitalism. So they represent the latter. And this is the most polluted mm. version of capitalism humanly possible. The one thing people should know and that I and it may be of some comfort to them is that it is not going to last for that long. Um, there's not that mm. many of the left. It's on the fade out. It's entirely exposed now. The young people are seeing what that gnarly consciousness is and they're even less inclined to vote for it. And so he may win again. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll win again, but he could win again. But, you know, the mm-hmm. rule of law will be established and we will move into a much more brightly lit, inclusive, self-honoring, human-honoring way of being as at the end of this final stage of the T-Rex. That's my mm-hmm. view. And not to trivialize how incredibly comfortable it is, but it's not going to go on yes. forever. And I know it feels like it's like you're in a fascist dictatorship where rule of law is completely dishonored. You go, oh my God, is this Nazi Germany? Believe me, I have triggers as a Jew around, is this Nazi Germany? But I really believe that there's light coming and that that this is the end of something and that this is what the end of something looks like.
0: So what can someone do? Let's say they're, they're, they're watching the impeachment trials, the acquittal, things that, let's say you know, the conservatives might do or Trump might say or what have you. And for someone who is constantly reacting or they find themselves upset, reactive, how do they find a level? How can someone find a level of peace
2: or some level of,
0: you know, and get through it and, and, and come to, you know, the deeper understanding that you're talking about, but not as a bypass, but genuinely.
1: Yeah hundred percent. So, I mean, there's no simple answer. I mean, one of the things that's helpful is to stop watching the news. They want you to watch Mm -hmm. it. The nature of fascism Mm -hmm. is they want to keep you confused and triggered because then they can get away with anything because you want it all to go away. They can get away with anything. So don't Mm -hmm. keep plugging in. Don't keep rattling yourself. I know you think your survival is at stake. So you have to plug in. It's not at stake. Rule of law will prevail in America. The roots of rule yeah. of law run very deep in this country, and it is not going yeah. away because of one, one television star moronic president. It's not the end of the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have faith in America. I have faith in the Constitution. I have faith in the return to something that's profound and powerful and meaningful and honors humanity. I really have faith in America, even though it's very difficult at this time. So th- the next thing is to try as, as best you can to take care of your body to get – don't let this destroy your body. If you can afford body work, keep getting body work to remove the tension. Get massage.
2: Get mm-hmm. time massage.
1: Get Swedish. Get whatever you have to get to keep coming back out of the tension, back into a place that feels more peaceful within your body. Three, soul mm-hmm. create create space in your home environment. Find a way to turn off technology. Find a way to just come back – Watch old movies. Do things that used to connect me <laughs> back to a time when it didn't feel so damn scary. You know, I'm, I find myself mm. watching old, crazy movies that I loved in the old days just because it allows me to remember what that felt like and to know what's coming. Um, so that's Interesting. Helpful.
0: Interesting. I like and,
1: that. Hmm. Yeah. And eat, go to the grocery store and buy the food you used to eat. Do, because the, the nature of this ah. is because you've entered into a new time. And all of a sudden, we're ahistorical. We have no history. We're just in this new, anxious, fascistic world. But we're not. And we have to remember that. Mm. Trump wants us to feel that way. The best response is to stay connected to what roots you, relationally, historically. And And the other thing that helps, Mm. if you can get to this, is creation. Creation is aliveness. So writing grounded spirituality in the heart of this time was very difficult. But I knew I had to keep coming back to creation because there's no better mm. counter-response to fascism than creation. Creation gives you life. Creation creates something better in the world. Creation moves us forward. And and you end up putting things in place so that as we step out of this darkness back into the light, we have all kinds of beautiful, creative, foundational structures in place to help usher us in to the next and new paradigm that's coming our way, you know? And I say that from a grounded Mm. place. I don't think it's easy, and I don't think it's simple, and I get how dark and dangerous this this is. It's horrifying. But you can keep creating something in your life. Do not give up on your Mm. creation. Entrepreneurially, create businesses, keep moving in the direction of something hopeful. Craft something from your life. Do not let this fascist stop you, Ted, in your tracks. That's what they want. And that's the old, and if you do that, that's how they'll stay in power. But if you keep leaning towards creation and activism, they will fall out of power and they won't be back.
0: Mm, I love that. Keep mo- folks, keep moving in the direction of the hopeful uh, okay. creation. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. You know, there's a question yeah. I want to ask, kind of back to a spiritual, book. actually, to me, the way I see it, Jeff, it's, it's all it's all interconnected. Um, and mm-hmm. what I've been doing about this conversation, I feel like we're going up and then we're coming down and going up and coming down, which is which is really right. cool. And and so talking about spirituality, um, grounded spirituality, uh, are there any myths that you have observed, let's say while writing your book or over the last decades, uh, spiritual myths, misconceptions that I think we – you've kind of started touching on some of those before we start talking about Trump. But are there any misconceptions that you feel – uh, as a community as spiritual as folks on a spiritual path we that are either dangerous or that we need to evolve and mature like it's time that we need to mature beyond or have a different understanding of myths that have been perpetuated through you're talking about through the patriarchal way of seeing things maybe you could sort of outline some of those myths that we've been you know stuck in stuck in that have kept us bypassing in some way
1: got you so with respect to, uh, there's two aspects So, what I might call patriarchal spirituality and what I might call the new cage movement. Um, so with respect mm. to patriarchal spiritual spirituality, the idea that there's something called the absolute self that exists independent of your localized self is a myth. Um, The idea that there is some transcendent field where you can transcend the human experience is a myth. You can't transcend the human experience. It's a lie. We're not birds. Mm -hmm. We can't float above our experience for that long. Um, The idea that mastering one singular thread of consciousness is enlightenment while not focusing on the other ones, that is another myth. The idea that mm. um, the best kind of yoga is the kind that pulls you away from your emotional body and your story, which is the roots of yoga, if you look closely at the original writings, that's a myth. That's another version of dissociative spirituality. Um, mm. That there's this thing called non duality, what they call the Advaita movement, what I call the Avoida movement, where you can just sit <laughs> in a meditative stupor, meditative stupor like a drug trip and imagine yourself, you know, and achieve some form of equanimity that we call an awakening experience is a myth. If you're not vital and alive in your body and energized in your body, you're not here. So these are all myths. Mm. I feel like Mm. the entire version of spirituality we've been fed, the, the obsession with detachment, the obsession with non-duality. Mm-hmm. that completely. The, the irony of these non-dualists is that they're bypassing everything uncomfortable, the body, the feelings, the ego, all those things aren't real. So what kind of, non-duality, yeah. you, what kind of unified field that we're talking about if we're not even in our bodies? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So that's all, mm-hmm. that's all of that monkey business. So uh, I'll it. just read you a quick definition from Grounded of the New Cage Movement, and you'll get an idea of this other way of mm-hmm. thinking about this. Um, So, uh, the New Cage Movement, a term to describe the more ungrounded, dangerous, and simplistic elements of the New Age Movement, including, but not limited to, so here's the answer to your question, but not limited to wishful thinking mantras, spiritual bypassing, premature forgiveness practices, superficial (laughs) healing techniques, the perpetual denial of common sense realities, and the insistence on inflated fantastical perspectives. For example, everything is an illusion it's all perfect. Mm. There are no victims. Everything that happens is meant to be. All judgments are bad. Suffering doesn't exist. You are responsible for everything that happens to you. Just ask the universe for what you want. You'll get it. Everything you see and feel is a reflection of you. Change your thinking, change your life. These are all new cage aphorisms that, in my view, are mythologically based. Because Mm. It's not true that everything I see and feel is a reflection of me. It's not true that everything's an illusion. It's not true that forgiveness that exists without going through a true emotional forgiveness process is a healthy Mm -hmm. step Mm -hmm.
2: in the main direction.
1: Mm -hmm. These things are, this is is the way people sell products. This is not the way that reality is actually experienced. Mm.
2: I love it. I
0: love it. I'm folks, a big conversation. Conversation. Okay. I love it, man. Um, I asked, and you, you delivered, Jeff. Yeah,
1: maybe, you know, I'm that's
0: just what, digest- what I do. I deliver.
1: Here, I'm here. digesting. Can I read you a quick the, the satirical paragraph from my book? Okay.
0: So um,
1: it's it's part of the dialogue. There's dialogue in the book with Michael. So I say this to him. I go, next time, because he's got kind of a bypasser. I go, hey, I have an idea. Next time you have a terrible thing happen to you and someone says, you chose your every experience. Knock them unconscious. Mm. When they wake <laughs> up again, ask, when they wake up again, ask them to thank you for actualizing their dream, and then insist that they forgive you before they even heal their head wound. Then tell them pain is an illusion. Just be aware of it, witness it, and you will come uh, into the power of now. Then remind them mm. that there are no victims that they just need to turn around their story of victimhood. When they try to get up, push them back down on the ground and remind them everything you see and experience is a reflection of you. Tell them, you must have, <laughs> had, some issues that, right? you must have had some issues you needed to look at around violence. I gave you a gift. Be grateful. When they begin to get angry, remind them that anger and judgments are substandard emotions, and that there's never anyone to blame. If this doesn't (laughs) sound in their edge, inform them that the ego is the enemy, that the part of them that is perceiving this situation as unacceptable is merely misidentified. You're trapped in the matrix and seeing the world through that limited lens. Tell them you're here to liberate them. And then steal their wallet and demand they give you their PIN number so they can learn another valuable lesson about attachment and manifestation. So listen, it's satire, but you get my point. Hilarious.
0: Jeff you seriously if this author thing doesn't work out for you 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 got to like you got you have to go stand up comedy or something because yeah, well I would
1: rather just sit down actually because it t- it's a little less energy uh, but absolutely I'm, I'll move in that direction move
0: in that direction. listen Jeff I have I have thoroughly honestly just enjoyed who you are and this conversation to this point and you have just been so generous with your time and energy uh what I would love is just to, to kind of begin wrapping up here is you've shared a lot, and so I don't know if, if you were to look at your life, maybe some will overlap, and that's cool too. If there were, let's say, three, well, three of the most important things that you've you feel you've learned in your life, connected to what you said, totally separate, doesn't really matter. That you were to just distill those and say, okay, folks, I want you who are listening to take these three things away that you feel maybe would be most beneficial to the next generation. Uh, what would the three Jeff Brown, wisdoms be? Great question.
1: So the first is to prioritize the excavation and actualization of the sacred purpose that is encoded within you. Take yourself seriously enough to believe that there is a magnificent path that you came into being to manifest and to bring into being in this world. Really prioritize that is the most important thing you will ever do in your life is to find out why you're really here. Um, and to do that, you have to do all the things we just talked about, right? Um, so yeah. that's the first thing. The second thing is to understand the sociological context of this work that we do. Um, you know, we are the one of the first or the first generations, really, to begin to ask this question of what is the authentic self? You know, and not in a bypass, dissociative, patriarchal way, but in an embodied real-time, finding it in the bones of your being way. So yes. work is incredibly important, individually and collectively, but at the same time understand we're at the beginning of finding our way. So as much as I want you to take it all seriously, I want you to also not be too hard on yourself when you can't get to the place mm-hmm. you intuitively know you can get quickly. Um, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Just to make a few strides in the direction of what I call true path in this lifetime, is an amazing achievement and don't have to comparing ourselves to the illusion of perfection that doesn't exist out there, but is marketed as though it does in this branded world, Mm -hmm. just understand if you can get closer to an authentic way of being from a survivalist construct, you have taken this world in a beautiful direction in the increments in the only way that it's sustainable, which is one slow and steady step at a time. So that's the second thing. Um, and the third thing is to cultivate the capacity to love. You know, which I feel like is mm. I feel like the authentic path is really ultimately about developing the ability to open your heart. Yeah, armor your heart when you have to, but to know the difference between a conscious armoring and an unconscious armoring, and to be able to move through your life from the heart outward. Don't worry about the monkey mind. The monkey mind is a symptom of the monkey mm. heart. Mm. Clear the emotional debris. Move that material out of you. Get that heart as open as you can in this crazy world. Because if it's not open, you're not going to be here for any of this. And if it is open, that's the place where you're going to be able to find your purpose right in the heart of that openness.
0: Um, I love it. Folks, you heard uh, three beautiful keys from Jeff Brown, author of Grounded Spirituality. Cultivate, cultivate the capacity to love. Beautiful. Jeff, I have... Really, uh, I'm just digesting this conversation myself. I've really uh, enjoyed speaking to you, as I mentioned. Uh, What's the best way people can find out about you and your work? And obviously, branded spirituality available, Amazon and and bookstores. What's the best website people can connect with you and find out what you're up to?
1: So my new primary website is jeffbrown.co. There's all kinds of free stuff to read there. There's books to order if they want. There's some downloadable audio courses My sacred feminine rising healing course and inner child, my awakening men's course is coming up in the next week or two. So that's the first Mm -hmm. place to look. Um, It's facebook.com slash soul shipping. I've got a very active page on Facebook. I'm getting more active on Instagram. Now you can find me there. Jeff Brown Soul Shaping on Instagram. Uh, And I have an online school called soulshapinginstitute.com where my Writing Your Way Home course, which is very active, begins in April. I do that twice a year. So they can find me there. And all six of my books, Grounded Spirituality, Soul Shaping, Love It Forward, Spiritual Graffiti, An Uncommon Bond, and Ascending With Both Feet on the Ground are out there. If stores don't have them, they can order them in. And they're real easy to order on, on Amazon. All of them are also in audiobook form on Audible. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff.
0: Really, uh, really enjoyed this interview tremendously. Folks, I told you this was going to be a a really uh, inspiring interview. I've took pages of notes myself. Send me an email, cootblackson at com. I would love to know your takeaways and uh, just just what moves for you from (laughs) this uh, interview with the amazing Jeff Brown, author of Grounded Spirituality. I want to encourage you to check out his website jeffbrown.co. We'll also uh, put all of the the links in the show notes. So check out his website, check out his work, Get Granted Spirituality. And uh, definitely also download this episode, share it on social media, Facebook, Instagram, tag me, all of that good stuff. Much love, everyone. I'll catch you in the next episode of Soul Talk. Love now.